Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. And this is Friday, so I'm wishing you a happy Friday. And we are ending this week of showing up as a grown-up and being the best version of you. And maybe you could even call it the art of adulting. How about that? We're adulting. And so we're really wanting to focus on being an adult. And I want to encourage you to visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and listen to the podcast, the first four, if you're just tuning in today, that really talked about being the best version of me, which is being an adult, an adult, and a good adult, not just an adult in age. You know, we talked a lot about we have young people in big bodies. And one of the scariest things I want you to know emotionally, relationally, is when you're dealing with a young person, an immature person in a big body. Because as we grow up, we get bigger. We're bigger people. We have more hormonal activity. We have more uh, amounts of testosterone, estrogen, progesterone. And those are very uh, energetic hormones. So when you are experiencing the emotionality of a young person with that level of intensity in an adult body, it's very scary can be very overwhelming because the hallmark of an adult is the containment issue, being able to contain my own emotions so that they're just not coming out everywhere. And, you know, you've experienced this in the grocery store with toddlers, having a meltdown in the grocery store and the whole store hears it. The whole store has to stop. So it's painful. It's irritating. But it's not scary when you have a meltdown with a toddler teenagers, man, they can really be intense. I know I was, my poor parents, they, I, I was probably one of the most dramatic kids in the family and probably one of the most dramatic kids they knew. And so I am quite an intense person. And, but as a teenager, it wasn't necessarily scary. It was just overwhelming. It was intense. It took over the whole house. And so when we have that level of intensity of a toddler, a teenager in an adult body, this is where people get killed, actually. That's what happens. There's no containment. They're just going with the emotion, and that emotion is infused with a ton of adrenaline and a lot of hormones, all those different hormones that are interacting. And they change the way we think. And they are very convincing, and they give us permission to act in ways we never dreamed that we would act. And then we have, you know, the shame attack later on, if we're honest with ourselves. And it's embarrassing that we lost that much control, and we're hoping that someone did not get harmed in the process. And there may be a lot of, of um, what we're needing to do to, to, to fix that. We may have to do a lot of things to undo what we did. And unfortunately, it's usually memorable. 
People usually remember those times we lost it at the office, lost it driving, lost it with our kids, lost it with our spouse, lost it with our friends, lost it at the restaurant. And it's not one of those things that that we really like to relive. And so that's part of what we talked about in yesterday's show in the very beginning when we talked about adults get over things. We learn, we get past it, we fix it, we do any reparative work we need to, we move on, and we make better choices. So this whole idea of showing up as a grown-up really is one of the kindest things you could do for you and for the people around you. Adults are, are pretty awesome to be around. And so we left off yesterday talking about this value system. The idea of the last piece uh, that we're going to address today about being an adult is that adults have a value system. And, and usually what happens when we are growing up, we are usually adhering to our parents' value system. So what their moral code, what their value system is, is what we adopt. But as we grow up, we then decide, is that value system true to me? And so as Christians, one of the best ways we get some direction on on a value system is biblically. What is the Bible telling us? What is a moral code that the Bible is telling us? And, And there are so much on that subject of how to live as an adult. And basically, what would Jesus do? We love that saying, don't we? He was extremely moral, did not sin one time. And the way he lived his life was very unprecedented, very unorthodox, but was a beautiful value system because it valued humans more than it valued anything else. So your values define your character. They impact every aspect of your life, including your personal and work behaviors, your interactions with your family, your friends, your coworkers, your decision-making process. They guide that process. The value system we have guides our decision-making, helps us to know how to choose correctly, how to choose well. And they guide the direction you you, you take your life, where your life goes. And so this is why it is so important to know what you value, why you value it, and what precedent it takes in your life. Am I overvaluing something and undervaluing another? You know, and I'm a great pet lover. I, I think that that we as humans are supposed to be taking care of the planet, supposed to be taking care of the animals. We are supposed to be tending to this beautiful place God gave us to live. And so a value system of mine is that there is no harm done to animals. I don't want us harming the planet either. And that is a value system. But what happens if I overvalue, Right? If I value the, the planet and I value animals over humans, I don't think that's honoring to God. Because the more that I honor humans and the more I value human life, that always translates to the very place I live. If I honor my own life, if I honor the life of the people that I live with and that I love, I probably will also honor the fact that I want to take care of, of the wonderful blessing that God is giving me in terms of possessions. And I will value them for what they are, but I won't value them above life. So my car should not be more important than my husband. My pet should not be more important than my husband or my kids. So value systems direct that vertical line that, that, that our value system has. 
We have things at the top, God, spouses, family. We We go down the line in terms of what is taking precedence. So I really want to invite you to be really thinking about this this week as you are talking about a value system. How do I want to be described? What are words that I would like people to say? Am I living in a way that they would choose that word to describe me? And what's a value, and do I have it in the correct order? Do I value my car? Well, then I should take care of it. But I don't value my car over my friends. Do I value my pet? Then yes, I should be taking care of my pet. But I don't treat a pet as a human. That, that dishonors pets. It's hard on them. It's painful for them because they're not humans. It's a lot of pressure on a pet to think that they're supposed to be a human. So we want to really make sure that we are valuing things appropriately. So there's four categories of a personal value system. There's your personal values, your spiritual values, your family values, your career values. So which values do we as social beings find desirable? Well, no matter what tradition we're brought up in, there are characteristics we value in others which transcend social, economic, religious boundaries. And so think about these. I want you to write these down if you can, or go back and listen to the podcast. Personal values. These are traits that we see as worth aspiring to that define our character. Am I honest? Am I trustworthy? Am I timely? How do I manage money? How do I manage the, the, the things that God has given me? These are personal values. How do I drive, right? How do I spend money? How do I spend my time? And then we have spiritual values. And that connects us to, to, to God, to that higher power. Who, who, who is the one that we are worshiping? What are we worshiping? And it gives us a sense of purpose beyond our material existence. So our spiritual, spiritual values help us transcend our humanness to be better than we would have otherwise been if we only valued ourselves. If I was the last go-to, if, I, if I'm the expert on everything in my life, then I'm not going to be able to rise above who I really can be. And that's what spiritual values do. They connect us to God that says, I see more in you. And if I'm living in you, you can do more than you could have ever done without me. And that's how the world has changed. And family values, to love and to care for those we are close to, our children, our parents, family members, our friends. Imagine if we really cared about our families. Now, uh, you know, I uh, obviously we have some family members that may be abusive, maybe sociopathic, maybe narcissistic. We're not talking about that. That that's a different. That's a, a therapeutic issue that therapists can generally help you with when you have abusive family members. But we are talking about caring for our family. Imagine if every person on on the planet was cared for by a family. Everyone would be taken care of, right? And so we really want to think about how do I care well for the people I'm close to? My children, my parents, other family members, my friends. That means I have to get to know them for one. It means I don't overvalue or undervalue. It means I have appropriate expectations. 
It means I don't get codependent with everybody. I get afraid to hurt people's feelings, so I do everything they want me to do for them. And I run myself ragged trying to please them. Okay, that's not caring for people. Caring for people is actually giving them what they need, not what they always want or what their expectations are, but actually caring for them. Same way I tell people all the time, if you want, if you, want you know, a cat, then you don't, you don't buy a goldfish, right? We don't give cat litter to a goldfish. We take care of a cat the way a cat needs to be cared for. A cat is not a dog. So if I cared for a dog the way I would care for a cat, I would harm the dog. If I cared for a horse the way I cared for a fish, I'd harm the horse and the fish most likely. So very important that when we're caring for people, we actually know the people we're caring for so we know really what they need. And then we have career values. The best use and expression of our talents and our skills for the purposes of contributing to society and for monetary compensation. So if I'm appropriately valuing myself, then I'm going to know if the compensation that's being given to me actually is accurate. I'm going to know if I'm being undervalued, underpaid, having inappropriate expectations put on me on a job. And I'm going to also know, wow, if I'm being paid this, if I'm getting these benefits, am I living up to those? Am I actually doing the job that would justify that level of compensation? So I have career values. How do I interact with myself at work? Do I take advantage of time? in a way that's inappropriate? Do I honor my boss, even if I don't like them? Do I honor the people working for me? These are career values. So which values do we as social beings find desirable? Well, we really do have every society, every culture, values similar things, regardless of the language, regardless of the education. Integrity, it's a big one. This should be a part of all of our value systems. Am I a person of integrity? This is trustworthiness. This is honesty. This is uprightness of character. This takes discipline. This takes effort. Remember, we're in fallen bodies. We are fallen. We have a sin nature that wants to constantly take over and do the easiest, fastest, shortest way to get what we want. And so we want to cut corners. We value people of integrity because we know what to expect from them. We know they will act honorably and what they will do and what they think is right. And we know that they will take responsibility for whatever it is that they did wrong. They won't get defensive. They won't lie about it, hide it, talk us in or out of something, convince us that we're wrong. They will actually say, you're right. That was not correct. It was wrong. What I did was wrong. I apologize. I need to compensate for it. They're an adult, they show up as a grown-up, they take responsibility for their behavior. Whether it's excellent behavior, they take responsibility for that, they don't minimize it. And if it's bad behavior, they take responsibility for that and fix it. Respect. This is a characteristic that we truly admire. Respect is honoring the worth and dignity of all people. Whether it's, it's the person sitting on the corner asking for a dollar, they deserve dignity. They deserve respect, regardless of what got them there. They're still a human. They still belong to God. God knew them when he formed them. God knows that person. God knows every human 
that's ever occurred on the planet and ever will be here. And he values them all. And so when we respect others, we treat them with fairness and courtesy. We need to be courteous people. I really want to encourage us to bring back the art, the beauty of courtesy. And courtesy is like Advil. It just feels good when people are courteous to you. It takes some of the pain and the stress out of your day. When a stranger is courteous to you, when your spouse is courteous to you, when we're courteous to children, when children are courteous to adults, it just brings a feeling of self-worth and you feel valued. This is how we value others. We treat them with courtesy. Loyalty. This is a commitment and it's faithfulness to a person or a cause. Those who are loyal to their families, their friends, organizations in the country stand behind and support them during good times and bad times. They can be counted on to be there when the going gets difficult and they help out when chips are down. Loyalty. I'm loyal to friends and family, even when they might not look like they deserve it. I'm loyal to my country, even if I'm not happy with the way things are going. I'm loyal to Christians, even when they are not acting like them. I'm careful to not speak against people. So I'm loyal to things that are trustworthy, that are things of integrity and honesty and character. Responsibility. This is a huge one. This is a huge value that we must put into our lives. Those who accept responsibility, these people are reliable, dependable. They're willing to take accountability for what they do, whether it's good or bad. They believe they have a moral obligation to help others and to make contribution to the society they live in. They don't act with a sense of entitlement. They are responsible I love this. They believe they have a moral obligation to help others and to contribute to the society that they live in. They don't just sit back and criticize it. They want to be a change agent, which means everywhere I go, there I am. So everywhere I go, I should be infusing something better. This is how the world was changed. Christ changed the world one person at a time. He was the biggest change agent in all of history. He had no technology. He changed the world one person at a time. So no matter what values we choose to live by, it's vital we look at the big picture. We assess what our role is, and we map out how we intend to conduct our lives. Take responsibility for you. Choose who you're going to be. What kind of person are you going to be? And this is part of understanding God's design for you. What version of a human are you? How do you best honor God? What is your unique way of acting your moral code and acting out of your own value system? Because you're going to have parts that are unique to you, and then we're going to have these global ones that we all should be sharing. So I like this verse. This is Matthew six twenty one. It's out of the Message Bible, and it says, A life of God worship. Don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? 
The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. What you treasure, you value, this will dictate your life. This will dictate your behavior. Where you spend your time, your money, your emotions, your physical strength, your cognitive attention, this is what you will think on. This is an internal job. When I have order within my internal world, my home, I bring that to the external world. So my treasure is my moral code. My treasure is what I value. This lasts through eternity. This has great and lasting effects on the world around me. So don't think you have to have some big calling, like being a famous speaker or a, a singer or a, uh, some, a, a preacher or, you know, what, a, a whatever. You don't have to have this big calling that is obvious to the whole entire world. Your calling is to be the best version of who you are because you change the world in only the way you can. And I want to encourage you to be that best version of you. That you have a defined moral code. You have a value system. You have ethics. And you live them in such a way that people recognize and know them. And when they're around you, they rise to a higher level of accountability. And they say, hey, I want to be like that person. I trust that person. I admire that person. See, when we talk about the issue of self-esteem, self-esteem gets a, is very, very incorrectly taught. I want you to think of what self-esteem means. You have a life that is moral, has a value system that you adhere to. You will have self-esteem. Because esteem, to esteem something means to admire. So do I do admirable things? Am I someone that would be admired because of the way I live my life? That is self-esteem. Self-worth is given, right? Self-worth is, is because you, God made you and you, you are of value. So self-worth is just inherent in humans. They are worth something. This is why we run into burning buildings and save a serial killer on the way to taking them to jail to execute them, right? Because we value human life. They are worthwhile. Humans are worth, worth everything. God died for humans because of their worth. So give yourself self-esteem. Be proud of who you are. And being proud of who you are, having esteem means you're doing something admirable, which means it's tough, but it's admirable. So I hope you enjoyed the show today, and I want you to be really encouraged. I want you to spend time on this. I want you to write it down. Ask God. Meditate with God. Ask for his guidance to show you what that moral code looks like in your world. What is, what is the value system you adhere to? And making sure that you include these values of integrity, respect, loyalty, responsibility. Integrity is honesty. I hope you have a blessed weekend. And I'm so glad that you joined me. Next week, we are having Tim Cameron with us on Thursday and Friday. He has written a book called The 40-Day Word Fast, and we are going to talk first three days, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We are going to talk about the power of words, what words do, good and bad. I think you'll find it very, very interesting and very, very helpful. So choose 
your words well. God bless you. Make sure you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And all of social media, you'll find some great things there to inspire you through the week. Have a blessed weekend. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.